0: Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the Children's Ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today online. If you would like to connect with us, you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our Instagram, or you can go to our website at heightschurch.org/connect. Thank you for joining us. I want to say good morning to you. I hope that you are doing well. If you are a guest with us this morning. Uh, my name is Lee, and I'm one of the pastors. It is good to have you uh, with us in person today. Also, those of you that are online this morning want to say uh, good morning to you and uh, want to issue a special good morning to one of our online uh, people that is watching all the way from Thailand this morning. Right? Uh, many of you know certain Sang in our church, and Sang is over in Thailand uh, caring for her uh, ailing parents right now, and saying. Um, I think it's good evening to you over there, so we want to say good evening to Sang, and uh, she's been emailing me, and I'm telling you, there's just incredible work that God is doing through her and through her family, and she's been seeing some uh, family members come to Christ while she's over there and discipling them, so Sang, we love you, we miss you, and good evening to you, and uh, hey, if you watch from another country, I'm going to give you a shout out on a Sunday morning, all right? I'm just going to say, like... I'll do that every Sunday morning. But if you're somewhere else, like on the other side of the world, you deserve a shout-out, amen? But listen, if you're a guest with us, uh, today. We want to just say welcome. And it's really a, a perfect Sunday for you to be here and over the next couple of Sundays because we are uh, starting to roll out our Love and Lead 2030 plan. Uh, and so some of you have already kind of asked me, they're like, did y'all misdate the graphic that we usually do? And we didn't. We did that on purpose because what we're going to be showing you over the next couple of weeks is where we desire to go as a church over the next seven years and what we're praying and asking the Lord to do through us uh, as a congregation, as a church, to see more people come to know Jesus Christ, more churches started, just all kinds of things uh, that we are just asking the Lord to do uh, to grow his kingdom. And so one of the resources we have for you uh, out on the tables where the boxes are, uh, is this yellow sheet so you won't be able to miss it all right and this is just a, a prayer guide for corporate revival and also personal revival that you can take uh, that our staff came up with for you uh, so the way it is is just uh, revival spelled out and so it's up to you how you want to use it uh, you can pray one one kind of prayer each day for each letter or you can pray every you know letter each day and so there's with revival spelled out there's seven kind of prayers you can walk through. And so we wanted to let you know that's a resource for you, that uh, we're praying just what that song uh, just said. We want to ask God, uh, spirit to fall upon us. We want to ask God to revive us por- uh, personally and also as a church. We'll email this out to you as well, put it out on Facebook for you. So uh, you've got those paper copies you can take home with you today. So let me pray as we get started. Father, thank you so much for who you are we thank you for the opportunity to come and, and sing and fellowship and encourage one another and, and build one another up, and uh, Lord, we, we come into your presence humbled because uh, we have an invitation that is brought to us by Jesus. It is Christ that brings us to your throne to find help in need uh, when we need it and to find grace, and so Lord, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for what Christ has done in our lives Uh, what He is doing and what He will continue to do. And Lord, I I just pray this morning as we uh, now enter into a time of worshiping You in Your Word, uh, that the Holy Spirit would. He would help us to understand uh, a Word that was written many years ago that's so relevant to our lives still today. Uh, And Father, we pray that as a people we respond appropriately to it, that we can live it out uh, to see more disciples made, Uh, to see more people honoring and worshiping you because you are the God who is worthy of all worship. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to invite you to open to Colossians chapter 1. And so Colossians chapter 1, if you've got that electronically or a paper Bible with you, uh, Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and I will meet you in verse 28 in a moment, like I said, today we're, we're starting out uh, letting you know a little bit of what's happening over the next seven years in the life of our church. And I'm going to tell you these are some big goals, these are some audacious things that we put together that we're asking the Lord just to really move and work through. And I, I thought about just kind of opening up this way this morning. If we put an elephant right there on the screen for you, and I task you today uh, to eat this elephant, all right? Now, in part of our world, before you get all like bent out of shape, in part of our world, this is a delicacy, okay? But let's just say I gave you the task of eating the elephant. Some of you are automatically going to go, can't do it, it's too big, right? It's too hard, I wouldn't even know where to start to eat an elephant. Like, where, where would you even start? Like, so too big, too hard, can, don't even know where to start. You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about some big goals in the life of our church. And here's how we're going to do it. One step at a time. One bite at a time. One thing at a time. Asking the Lord to move, asking the Lord to work. About a year ago, uh, we began meeting with a team of our lay leaders, Terry Blackwell, uh, Anna Chanis, David Broadway, Robert Morse, along with our ministerial staff. And uh, for about a year, we've been meeting and asking the Lord, what does the next seven years of our church look like? And why we ended up with Love and Lead 2030 is we've kind of said, you know, 2030 ends the decade. And I don't know about you, but so far, this decade has not been great, right? I mean, it's just been a weird 300 years so far of 2020, right? And so we just began praying, how do we end the decade well? Right? How do we take the next seven years and redeem them for the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do? And so what we've designed is six different initiatives we're going to put before you as a church that we're asking the Lord to move and work in to see the kingdom of God grow and to reach more and more people uh, over the next seven years than we ever have in the life of our church. And so what we're looking at in Love and Lead 2030 is really, it's built on two biblical concepts, and all those six initiatives are built on two biblical concepts. First is called gospel saturation. I'm going to talk to you about that next week, but gospel saturation is basically getting the good news of Jesus Christ out to as many people as we possibly can. But what we're going to focus on this morning is called spiritual formation, That as a church, how we want to make disciples, how we want to help every boy, every girl, every teenager, every adult within the life of our church become more and more like Jesus Christ. And so when we use that term disciple, disciple of Jesus, I know that's a very churchy term. So let's just kind of define what a disciple is for you today. It's right there on the screen if you want to write it down. A disciple of Jesus does three things. They follow Jesus. They're being changed by Jesus, and they're on mission with Jesus. Okay, we'll leave that up there if you want to write that down. So if this morning, if you want to ask yourself, hey, am I a disciple of Jesus? Just think about it that way. Am I following Jesus? And what it means to follow Jesus with your head, with your mind, is the Jesus, Lord and Savior of your life. Do you recognize Jesus in your thoughts, in your mind, as the Lord and Savior of your life? Are you being changed by Jesus? All right, that's going to talk about your heart. What are your thoughts? What are your affections? What are your, your goals in life? How's your obedience to the Lord and His biblical commands? Is your heart being changed by Him? And then are you on mission with Jesus? So are you making more disciples? Are you obeying His commands? Are you going out and telling people about the gospel? All right, so if we look at what is a disciple, we can look all through the Gospels in the New Testament and come up with that definition. Basically, a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus, being changed by Jesus, is on mission with Jesus. And if you look at what Paul is writing in Colossae, uh, and he's writing to that church of Colossae in Colossians chapter 1, is Paul's really giving you his heart of discipleship. Paul in verses 28 and 29 is saying, here's how I'm making disciples, here's why I'm making disciples, here's how I'm helping people grow in their maturity in the Lord. So first, let's look at this discipleship plan where Paul's saying, here's how we're helping people be spiritually formed to become more like Christ. Once you notice first in verse 28, who we preach in making disciples, who we preach in making disciples. Let's pick up in verse 28. Paul says, it is him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ, all right? So I want you to notice, Paul saying, here's who I proclaim, him I proclaim, so the him by the context of all of chapter one is Jesus, all right? So in making disciples, we are preaching Jesus. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is this, who's Jesus? Who is this Jesus. In Paul's day, when he's writing this letter to the church of Colossae, you're going to have people who say, well, you know, Jesus was just a a prophet. He was a good teacher. He was a good moral man that helped a lot of people out. Fast forward to 2023, you're going to have a lot of people still say the same thing. Well, maybe he was just a prophet and he was just a good teacher. He was a good moral man that helped a lot of people out. But I want you to notice how Paul defines who Jesus is. Pick up in verse 15 in chapter 1 with me. He says, this is who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. So he is God in the flesh. Verse 16, he says, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. It is Christ who is the creator. Verse 17, we see that Jesus holds all things together. He is before all things. In him, he's holding all things together. I, I love that old kid's song. He's got the whole world what? In his hands, right? That's Colossians 1:17 no matter how much your life feels like it's falling apart, Christ is like, no, it's not falling apart. I've got you. You are in my hands. Notice verse 18. This is who Jesus is. He is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. Verses 19 through 23, Paul says this about who Jesus is. He is the one that reconciles God and man together. Verse 20, by making peace by the blood of his cross. He says, verse 21, we were alienated, hostile in mind, and doing evil deeds. And now it is Christ who has reconciled us in the body of his flesh, verse 22, by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before God. If you can even just say, okay, well, hey, that's Paul's thoughts. Well, I mean, who else is this Jesus? Well, just go to the gospels with me. See, in the Gospels, we read that this is Jesus, that when the demons are in his presence, they tremble. This is Jesus that when a storm is raging and he commands the waves and the wind to be still, nature obeys. This is Jesus who made the lame walk, who made the deaf hear, who made the blind see. This is Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead. This is Jesus, the gospel says, came into this world, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him by his death, burial, and resurrection. That's who we preach. That's who we teach in disciple making because notice what Paul says in verse 28. Here's why we preach and proclaim Christ. Verse 28, we warn everyone teaching everyone with all wisdom. That word warning you may have in your translation, admonish. To admonish means you are coming to someone and you are bringing them something with the intent of changing their attitude or action. We are teaching, we are admonishing, we're helping people correct their lives back to Christ. So we're helping people. Remember this definition of disciple? A disciple is one that is following Jesus in their head, right? They're being changed by Jesus in their heart. They're on mission with Jesus in their lives. Part of discipleship is admonishing, teaching, correcting, bringing people back under the submission of God's word to help them follow Christ. That's who we preach in disciple making. But let's ask this question. Why do it? why make disciples? Why help people be spiritually formed in Christ? Why, why do this? Because it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's awkward, right? It's difficult, but, but why? Why do it? I've learned this as a parent, and I'm pretty sure 99.9% of you are going to agree with this statement. Sometimes it's hard to have unity on anything just because we're people, so I won't say 100% of us are going to agree with this, but I'm sure 99% of parents are going to agree with this statement. There is one question you love for your kids to ask you. One question. It's a one-word question. Do you not love when your kids go, why? <laughs> love it, right? How many parents go, boy, I love when they ask me that why question, you yeah. Get your shoes on, we're about to go to the store. Why? Get your shoes on, we're about to go to the store. Why? Go upstairs and study your math. Why? Right? We, we get it all the time, right, parents? Do you know when you give your kids a command and they ask the why question, they're really asking clarification of what the mission is. All right? It's not a bad question, actually. So if I give my kid a command, go get your shoes on, we're going to the store. Why? The command was, get your shoes on. The mission, go to the store. Right? Now they're asking clarification, why are we doing the mission? so you can eat later, (laughs) right? You see that? Command, get your shoes on. Mission, go to the grocery store. Why go to the grocery store? So you can eat. Go upstairs, study your math homework. That's the command. Mission, you've got a test tomorrow. Why study my math homework? So you don't fail the eighth grade, right? And you don't always live in this house, right? (laughs) Because at some point, we love you, but we want you to fly the coop, right? Okay? Did you see how that works in their brains? You as a parent give a command. You're given a mission, but they're asking the why question to clarify what the mission is. Jesus in the New Testament says, make disciples. Go out and make more disciples, right? The mission, command, make disciples, We ask why. I want you to notice how Paul answers the why question. Because he says, Him we proclaim, that's who we preach and teach in disciple making. But notice how Paul answers the why we make disciples. Verse 28 at the end that we may present everyone mature in Christ, that we may present everyone complete in Christ. That we may present everyone before the Lord spiritually mature in Christ, spiritually formed in Christ. So, Christ gives us the command go make disciples, right? That's the command, that's the mission. We, as good kids of God, often go, Why? Why do that? (laughs) And Paul's saying, Here's why, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Love and Lead 2030. We have six different initiatives over the next seven years we're asking the Lord to bless and for us to be able to accomplish as a church. Three of those, like I said, are going to be gospel saturation. We're going to get to those next week. Three of those are spiritual formation. And here's what those three spiritual formations are. They're on the screen for us. Those three spiritual formation goals are simply this. We want 80 percent of our life group attendance, or 80% of our worship attendance to be in a life group. Okay, so over the next seven years, we want to be able to start more and more life groups so that 80% of our worship attendance is in a life group. The second goal is this, 80% of our worship attendance serving in a ministry here at Heights. Right, so 80% of our worship attendants serving in ministry so that the gospel goes out more and more and people are more spiritually formed in Christ. This is one of the goals that I'm really excited about. And over the next seven years, we will disciple intentionally in personal one-on-one relationships, 350 people. So over the next seven years, intentionally disciple in personal one-on-one relationships, 350 people. Now You may have looked at all those and automatically going, why? Why do that? Here's why. Paul gives it to us. So we can present them mature in Christ. So we can present them spiritually formed in Christ Jesus. Now, how do we do it? How do we do that over the next seven years? Here's what he says in verse 29. He says, for this, now the this is the, Uh, desire to present everyone mature in Christ. He said, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The word toil there uh, gives us the uh, connotation in the Greek. It comes out meaning to work to the point of exhaustion, right? So I'm toiling, I'm struggling. The word struggling is where we actually, from the Greek, get our word agony from in English, right? And so you see what Paul's saying is, this is hard. This is going to take effort. This is going to be tough. But he's saying, notice this, I toil and I struggle with all the energy that he powerfully works within me. Now, how do we help 350 people in personal one-on-one discipleship relationships become more like Christ? How do we in life groups help each other become more like Christ? Well, I want you to notice what Paul says in verses 3 through 6 of chapter 1. And here's how we do it. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel. Now notice verse 6, which has come to you and indeed the whole world and it is bearing fruit and increasing, and it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Here's how we make disciples. Here's how it was working in Colossae. It was working through you. See, the gospel spreads through you. Disciples are made through you. It's not just made through a pastor. It's not just made through a staff. It's not just made through deacons. It's not just made through select life group leaders. It's made through you as a congregation. And so that's how we're going to do those things. It's through you. Because that's what Paul's telling this church, like, It's through you that the gospel is bearing fruit. It's through you that the gospel is spreading. And Paul says, and I love verse 29, because I know we can look at verse 29 and go, man, this seems hard and it's going to be difficult. Well, remember the elephant, right? One bite at a time, one step at a time. But I love what he says in verse 29. He says that it is God's power that is working and giving me energy. And when I stepped back from that verse this week, and I just kind of thought about it more and more, here's how I want to break down verse 29 when he talks about the energy and the power that God gives him. It's real simple to understand. The same Holy Spirit that Paul had, you have. The same energy that God gave Paul to do what God was calling Paul to do, God gives to you. right? Paul didn't get a different Holy Spirit than me and to you. Paul doesn't get different energy from God That he gives to me and you. And so when we step back and we look at why we're doing this, I know there's a lot of you that are gonna ask a lot of how questions. How in the world are we gonna disciple 350 people in the next seven years? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do that? If you're already asking the how questions, just wait till next week, all right? I'm just gonna tell you, all right? Because if you think like this is a lot this week, just come back. It gets better, right? And you're already, how? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this? Listen. We welcome your questions, like you can ask me questions, you ask our ministerial staff questions, talk to Anna Chanis and Terry Blackwell and Robert Morris, David Broadway, they are all in those meetings with us. There's going to be a time and a place to answer all those. We're going to eat the elephant one bite at a time. But I don't want you to get so caught up in the how right now. I want you to really focus on the why. Why do this? Why step out as a church and over the next seven years seek to intentionally disciple 350 people, seek to have 80% of our worship attendance in life groups, 80% serving. Why be about making disciples? So here's what I just want to do to kind of end our morning, is I want you to just to think about someone, Think about one person you love, Just one person you love it. And I know you got more than one, but I just want you in your mind, in this mental exercise, to think about one person you love. It, It can be a husband, be a spouse, be a child, grandchild, friend. Just, just in your mind, get one person in your mind right now, okay? You got them, and you see their green eyes. You see their blue eyes. See that little blonde hair, that little brown hair. See the beard, Right? Who's that one? You've got them in your mind. You're picturing them in your mind, all right? Here's some truths about that one person right now you're picturing in your mind that you love. God made that person. Bible says in Genesis 1.26 they were created in the image of God Bible also says in Romans 3 23 that that person has fallen short of the glory of God that they've sinned against him and because that person sinned against God that you love that you care about you're thinking about in your mind you can see him it's the husband it's the wife it's the child it's the grandchild it's the friend that they're separated from God in a personal relationship That without Christ Jesus intervening and interceding in their life and reconciling them back to God, that they will be in a hell forever because of their sin. That's the wage of death that Romans 6.23 talks about. That's what they've earned. That's what that loved one has earned because of their sin. Eternal judgment and eternal condemnation before the Lord. That's what the Bible says about them. But there's good news because Romans 6.23 says the free gift of eternal life is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's what I love. When you think about that one person, God loved that person so much in your life. He sent Jesus Christ to be born into this world. He sent Jesus to be born for that one person in your life that you love. One person you're thinking about, God says, I want to redeem that person. I love him so much. I'm sending Jesus to be born into this world. To die on a cross for that person right now that you love. Now I want you to do this with me. I want you to close your eyes right now. Say everybody where you are, close your eyes. I want you to keep thinking about that one person. Now visually you're seeing them. It's that husband, it's that wife, it's that child, it's that grandchild, it's that friend. Whoever that one is, you're seeing them right now in front of your face. You've heard those biblical truths. God made them. They've sinned against him. That Christ came to die and to redeem them. Now, I, I don't, as you're thinking about them and you're seeing them, I, I don't want to be morbid. I, I don't, I'm not trying to intend to do that, but listen, the reality of life is that loved one, they're going to die. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us that it's appointed once for man to die, and then comes judgment. That, that person you love so deeply right now in your life that you're envisioning, that you're seeing, they have an expiration date on their life and when they die they're going to stand before God and that person you love that you're seeing right now that husband that wife that child that grandchild whoever it is they're going to be before the Lord one day and they're going to hear forgiven come out of God's mouth or they're going to hear guilty coming out of God's mouth when they stand before God, that one you love so deeply in your life, they're either going to hear, welcome, or they're going to hear, depart. Why make more disciples? Paul says in verse 28 it is Christ we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, so that we may present everyone. So you may present that loved one complete before Christ Jesus. Father God, we thank you for the call to make disciples. We thank you for the resources we have in the Holy Spirit and so many more to make disciples. We thank you for the loved ones that you have placed in our lives, in relationships, where people are so dear to us. We love them so much. And we can just see their faces right here in front of us today when we close our eyes. We can see that hair and the, those eyes and all the, all the facial features. And Lord, we have to be faced with the reality that, that loved one is going to be before you one day after they die. And they're going to hear either welcome or depart They're going to hear forgiven or guilty. And so, Lord, let it be our business to do everything we can do to present them before you at that moment in that day, mature in Christ, complete in Christ as a disciple of Christ. I'd invite you right now where you are to be praying for that person whether you are in in your home this morning, you're in this room, right now you're praying for that loved one. Right now you are praying for their spiritual growth. Right now you're praying for that moment and that time and that day that they're going to stand before the Lord. As you're praying for them to continue to grow spiritually, I want to invite you this morning to commit to the Lord to say, Lord, help me be that one that's going to help them grow. Help me be that person that's going to help that loved one I care about so much become complete in Christ. As folks are praying there, maybe today it's to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are not one of His disciples. You are not following Christ with your head, your heart, and your hands right now. And we put up that definition earlier of what a disciple is, and you look at it and say, I I, I don't meet that at the moment. The first step in a personal relationship with Jesus, is to say, Christ, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you. So maybe as others are praying for loved ones that they have and commitment to making disciples, maybe today it's your commitment. I want to be a disciple. I want to follow Jesus. I I, want to be forgiven. I want to be welcomed into heaven. I don't want to be in hell. I want to follow this Jesus that gives me life, gives me purpose. Forgiveness of sin, I, I want to follow Him as the Lord and Savior of my life. Well, the Bible says essentially you start a relationship with Christ, you're trusting in who He is and what He's done. You just express that to God in prayer. You can simply pray something along these lines. Dear God, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I, I believe that He died on a cross for my sin. I believe He rose from the grave. I believe He can forgive me. And I'm ready to give him my life and follow him. The good news of the Bible is that when we call out to the Lord, the Lord doesn't put us to shame. Romans 10, 13, you call out to the Lord and you'll be saved. So maybe today was the first time you've prayed that prayer. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Christ Jesus, Lord and Savior of your life, you'll be saved. What good assurance that is for you today. So, Lord, I just pray right now that we as a church, we just embrace your biblical plan of making more disciples. That we don't view that as just a mission of our church, but it is the mission of our church. It's not one thing we do, it's what we do. Because Paul understood this that every person will be before you. And we want every person building their lives on the foundation of Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, help us to be a part of that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to thank you for watching today's message. I just want to ask you one simple question as we close our time together today. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? See, that's a very key question because I didn't just ask, do you know Jesus? But do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? My story is that I grew up going to church. I was in a house where going to church on a Sunday morning was not really an option. Uh, The joke in my house with my dad was, if I came to him and said, hey dad, I don't want to go to church today, uh, he would look at me and say, well, do you want to eat lunch later? Because we're going to eat lunch after church and all those that go to church get to eat lunch. And so I, I was brought in a home where I was at church all the time. I was You know, one of those that went to Sunday school, vacation Bible school. Anytime the doors were open, my family was there. And so I grew up hearing about Jesus. I grew up knowing about Jesus. But it was at the age of 14, one night in my bedroom, that I realized I didn't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And so sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I've always been a Christian. I've always loved Jesus. And you know, the Bible doesn't teach that. Instead, the Bible teaches that you and I have to make a personal, conscious decision to follow Jesus in our lives. That's what Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that you have to be born again. That there has to be a time in your life where you said, yes, I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, I'm going to ask you that question again. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you made that decision in your life, to follow Him by faith. And so one night in my bedroom, like I said, it was in the month of August, I decided as a 14-year-old right then and there, I was going to be a believer in Jesus and I placed my faith and trust in Him. And maybe right now where you are, you're ready today to say, I want to be a believer in Christ, to have my sins forgiven, to know that I can have a relationship with God now that lasts throughout all of eternity so that when I die, I go to heaven to be with Him because I've trusted in what Christ has done for me. So I'm gonna lead in a time of prayer. And if you're ready today, right where you are to become a believer in Christ, you can pray along with me because God knows our hearts and that's what's key in this, but you may not know how to form the words to say. So let me just form some words with you and just pray right now. Father God, I am ready to become a believer in Jesus. Right now today, I trust Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I confess my sin to you, and now I'm ready to follow Christ as the one who's forgiven me of my sin, dying on the cross for me, being raised from the grave to forgive me and give me new life. Thank you, God, for loving me. Friend, I want to just thank you. If you prayed with us today, we want to hear from you. You can let us know that by going to heightschurch.org connect. There's going to be a decision button right there on the website that you can fill out a very short form that's going to come right to me. And we would love to follow up with you, pray with you, help you just take your simple next steps of faith. And so thank you for watching. We would love to see you in person if you're in our area. uh, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. are our life groups. 10.30 a.m. is our worship service. And so until we see each other again, God bless.